battery just went on my Zoom. You're joking. In this week's episode, we talk to old friend, producer, and occasional whiskey drinker, Dean DiCioso. And we sample the Connemara Peated Single Malt Irish Whiskey. Does it do exactly what it says on the tin? Find out. Plus, we hear from the most delightful and righteous whiskey god to find out his sublime and spiritual tasting notes. Someone's got a thesaurus out. I have, I have. And you can keep up to date on all our social media platforms at Whiskey and Things Podcast on Instagram and at Whiskey and Things on Facebook and Twitter. Remember to lose the E. And of course, we have two egos here that definitely need massaging. So where possible, please leave us a review. Uh, five stars is the only amount of stars which is acceptable. But also, just get in contact. Let us know your tasting notes of the whiskey or of us. You're listening to the Whiskey and Things podcast with Dave Giles and Nick Kent. Hello. God, it's hot on this Thursday night, isn't it, Dave? Oh, <laughs> my God. So warm. I am. What a Thursday night. Sweltering. Ooh. Anyway, welcome Ooh. to episode 15 of the Whiskey and Things podcast. Episode 15. I am Dave Giles. And I am Nick Kent. Here we are. And uh, actually, it's not Thursday night. We normally record this on Thursday night. But we have. We did. We, did we recorded record. the rest of the episode on Thursday night. We recorded this bit on Thursday night, but I forgot to press record for this section. So somehow, we are now at Saturday, Dave and we're having to do the first part of the episode all over again. So Dave made a boo-boo. This is where I normally surprise Nick with a few things. So Nick has got to do his best to sound like this is the first time he's ever heard what I'm about to say. Good luck, Nick. I believe in you. Mate, I've worked in theatre. I've seen this acting stuff being done a million times. Oh, you're putting pressure on yourself now. (laughs) (laughs) So, Nick, uh, last week's episode went down really well. A lot of people are responding really well. They're responding really well to our first gigs and our favourite sporting events. Oh, good. uh, good. And and times when people have got where they shouldn't have got. Oh, yeah. Naughty Um, people out there, I bet. We we heard again from Carla. We actually heard from quite a lot of people. And we don't have time to get everyone's responses in, but I did really enjoy reading them all. So please do keep sending them in. If you have fa- favourite gig stories, first gig stories, favourite sporting event stories that you've been to, anything like that, please send them in. Uh, even if you're a few weeks late, it's just great to, to read this stuff. Yeah, we'll keep doing callbacks and stuff. It's fun. Exactly. exactly. Any, 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 yeah, we can always uh, bring up stuff that's come in. But this week we've heard a few good ones. First of all, Carla James has got in contact. Now, she told us last week that the Dum Dums gig at Wembley was supporting oh, yeah. Bon Jovi and Top Loader. You remember that, that conversation, right, Nick? I, I remember it. I remember it pretty well, yeah. It's very fresh in my mind for some reason, Dave. But carry on. Thought you would have remembered it. Well, the same Carla James also has got in contact to tell us about her first gig, which happened to be the same first gig, Nick. You wouldn't believe this. The same first gig yeah. as Kate. Nick oh. Kent fan club, Kate. Who, oh, they were both word, at the really? same Cillion Dion, Cillion Dion, Cillion Dion gig at Wembley. Oh. Can you believe that, Nick? Can you, you know believe what? it? Surprisingly, I can. I can believe that. I've got a bit of deja vu, Dave, but Celine Dion, I imagine it's a it's, it's a kind of a concert you could go to with that your mum would like as well. So she might want to take you for your first gig, you know. Well, it's funny you should say that because Carla did then go on to say that although that was her first gig, the first gig she went to that she had an investment in was the Stereophonics yeah. with Theda supporting in Wembley in 2001. And you would believe this, Nick. I know uh, you, you just won't believe this next bit because you've never heard me tell this story ever Should before. Should I sit down? Should I sit down? I was at that gig. Oh, Dave. 
Her first gig that she went to, Sarah Fonix with Venus Point, I was there no. back in 2001. How crazy is that? I can believe that. How crazy is that? We also heard from Amar. Uh, Amar's a regular contributor to the show. He had a load of great stories, but uh, this ties in with what we were talking about last week. Oh, so yeah. um, he said that he's been to one of the Formula One Grand Prix when they still had races at the Sepang circuit uh, in Kuala Lumpur, that is, right? In Malaysia? Probably. You all right? Battery just went on my Zoom. You're joking. I'm carrying on the recording. This is the second take. This is a Saturday <laughs> night. A Saturday night we're doing this. I'm going to carry on. I'm going to put this somewhere. Fine. Cut. 2-1. Hey, hey. Yeah, okay, we're, we're going. Yeah, sorry about that. Batteries expensive down there in London, are they? Bet they are. Good More expensive God. Than up there, it's a two-bit operation you know you're doing down there. Anyway, anyway. has Amar been in touch? <laughs> he has been in touch. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, and, cool. Uh, I thought that might happen. He said this. He said, I've definitely been to one of the Formula One Grand Prix when they still had races at the Sepang Circuit. Hey, Nick, yeah. is that in Malaysia? You know what? I don't care anymore. I'm sure it is. <laughs> uh, Take three. And he also said <laughs> that it's, it's not his experience, but he had one very similar to mine. Oh, yeah. At a charity event. A few years ago, yeah? his dad somehow stumbled into talking to Manny Pacquiao. Oh, yeah, the boxer. Oh. The bo- the boxer. Yeah. You'll never guess what happened, Nick. What happened, Dave? Uh, whatever conversation they had impressed him because afterwards, Pacquiao offered him a couple of tickets to one of his bouts and even sent him a signed pair of boxing gloves. Oh, that's a great story. That's so good a story. I could hear you- it another four times, <laughs> to be honest. No, that is a great story. Thank anyway, you, Anyway, we that have heard from your brother. No way! Uh, which you know, because uh, we recorded this before. Oh. Uh, and he has a few stories. I'm going to read them all, Nick, and you can decide which ones you want to keep in. Uh, so he's got a few things. <laughs> this week's he whiskey. Said- <laughs> <laughs> Irish whiskey. Sure, it's liquid sunshine. Before we carry on here, you haven't noticed what I'm wearing? Oh, yeah, because it's blocked by the microphone. It's bright blue! You wear a lot of bright T-shirts, but it is very fetching. It's very fetching indeed. That is a Whiskey and Things, the first round T-shirt. We have merch, everyone. We have merch. Limited edition as well. Yeah. If you're a member of our Patreon, this has already been shipped out to you, as this airs. If you're not, you should sign up to our Patreon and you can get one of these T-shirts, or you can buy one from our website. Just go and have a look. Nick and I will do some nice modelling post photos for Instagram. Uh, Nick's a great model for T-shirts. Anyway, this mm. week's whiskey. Connemara peated Irish whiskey. That's about it, really. It's an Irish whiskey. They use peat. It's peated. Yeah, that's pretty much it. What? Should we move on? Ron, no. Um, Ron Seals, quick dry, wood stain. <laughs> does exactly what it says on the tin. Does exactly <laughs> what it says on the tin, mate. Oh, dear. So, Connemara... It's a bit of a weird one, me researching this one today. Went down a bit of a rabbit hole. Again? Second Again. rabbit hole? I oh, know. I'll tell you why. It's boring stuff. It says on the bottle, it's the Kilbegan Co. Distillery. Okay? It's a really old distillery in a town called Kilbegan, which is a town about an hour and a half drive from Dublin. Okay. Extremely close to Tullamore, which we've talked about before. Right in the middle of the country. Then I discover later on in the day that it's not actually made there. It's made at Cooley Distillery which is in the uh, northeast coast of Ireland, near the border of Northern Ireland, where a lot of other whiskies are made as well. Right. Yeah. Great story, Nick. But um, <laughs> What's the story of that first bit then? What about it? Why, why are they saying it's made there, on the bottle? It's not. It's the, that's the company, which is based there, but they're, they're distilling it elsewhere. 
understand. Because of big business. So what we're we expecting here? I'm expecting a peaty whiskey, Nick, and I've poured it in and it smells very peaty. Yeah. Everything else is still classic Irish, apart from... So triple distilled. Actually, no, this is actually double distilled. It's the, right, okay. the only thing, but it's still um, it's aged in bourbon casks. They, they double distill it, apparently, because it adds more character, but whatever. So uh, you mentioned this briefly last week, that this is one of the only, if not the only, peated Irish whiskey. Yeah, there's probably smaller distilleries that do it, but this is the only one which is mass... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Distributed, Dave. Yeah, okay. A lot of Fair people enough. kind of argue, if you want something peated, have a scotch, you know? Yeah. People go for Irish whiskey because of how it tastes like that. Shortbread, vanilla, buttery kind of vibe. So does this yeah. just taste like that, but with peat on the top? That's the question. I tell you what, this stinks of apples. I say that in a nice way because I, yeah, I, I like how apples smell. But once you get past the but It's peat, kind of like an apple crumble. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Toffee it's apple, stewed. that kind of... Yeah, it's a stewed apple. Yes. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Like mum used to There's make... so much used apple to pour in it out. Mm. Oh, now we're talking. Yeah, you know the one. And you bake it with the skin on. Yeah. Brown Ooh. sugar in the middle. Beautiful. Oh, mate. Taking me back. Yeah, it's, uh, that's a really pleasant smell. Uh, when I first stick my nose in it, I didn't like it because it was too peaty. But once you once you become acclimatised to the peat and you get past that... Yeah, it's really subtle for me, that, though. It was. It felt... Just in that first sniff, I was like, okay, there's the peat. And yeah. that was all I could smell. But then I had to... You know, again, it's that acclimatisation to it. Um, I imagine it'll be the same on the first sip. So I'm going to now dive in, unless you've got anything else I should be looking for. <laughs> oh, giving you a bit of a kick. It has. It has. All right, let me have my first taste. Really smoky. Yeah, it is. Wow, okay. Do I like this? Hmm. This is an acquired taste. It's not like an Isla Pete, though. No. For me, it's a subtle, more Highland vibe. Hmm. It is nice. I do like it. No, so do I. It's a very strong flavour, though. Yeah. This It reminds me of Laphroaig in that sense. Uh, <laughs> that it, This isn't a drink you'd want to be drinking... If you're trying to kiss someone for the first time. <laughs> yeah, and you, yeah, I, for sure. I'm, I'm also going to quote Charlotte Campbell. This is this is one of those ones that's going to make your breath smell like death. All right. This is a bit less than death, I think. This isn't too deathy for me. <laughs> oh, it's really, it's really. Now there's it's, a I, saying that's coming out of this show. It's a bit less deathy. Yeah. Death, <laughs> it's a bit less deathy. There's a tasting note for you. <laughs> less bit, deathy. It's a bit less deathy. Hmm. Yeah. Let's turn that into a T-shirt. I think I think it is quite deafy. It's, it's it's ashy. I feel like there's an element of it's so smoky. I feel like there's some. Thomas just poured some ashes into it. Can we smell the Irishness though, or was it completely masked by the peat? If you were giving me this as a taste test, I would say it's a Scotch. I would not say it's Irish. Mm, yeah, I can in the nose. I think not in the tasting, but in the nose, there's a little bit there. There's a little bit of Irish there, but I'm I'm not liking the aftertaste. No, no, no. I don't know why. I'm wondering you're what enjoying it, is. it on the tongue, but you're not enjoying the finish. I'm liking the smell. I mean, I'm liking the initial palate, but the finish for me, the long finish, leave me a bit. You know what I mean? But uh, I can't tell what taste it is though, which is annoying me. I'm getting apples on the nose, smoke on the palate, and then really peaty aftertaste. But it's not like a medicine-y peat. That's why it's a bit different. It's a different peat. It's not an either peat. It's got an element of farm to it. Yeah. Mucked out stables. <laughs> Funny you should say that, actually, Dave. Oh, yeah. Connemara is also a breed of pony. 
Well, that might be what they were trying to do then. On the finish. <laughs> Horseshit. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Well, it's yeah. certainly interesting flavours and... Interesting ponies. Interesting ponies, for yeah. sure. Um, I personally think I'd stick to one of the island peats. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd still go for a peaty scotch over this. I think this is something people will try because it's an Irish peated whiskey. It's different. Yeah. yeah. Which is why I ordered it, actually, <laughs> originally. Oh, you know? well, there you go. Yeah. Um, and, and it certainly is interesting. Yes. Yeah, like, but if, if, if I want an Irish, I think I'm going to go with, the, from what we've had so far, I'm going to go with the Teeling or the Castmate Jamesons. Yeah. I just don't, I'm not into the smoke of this. I love a smoky, I love a smoky whiskey. You know, the Lagavulin's my favourite. You know the PT Isla stuff. This for me is just leaving a weird aftertaste. Exactly. If anyone else has tried this, please let us know. And uh, so our uh, our thoughts a bit deathy with a finish of pony. So there we go. <laughs> but luckily we have an expert coming up later on in the show uh, who goes by the name of the Whiskey God. And uh, he's going to give us a full set of divine tasting notes, as only a whiskey god can. So, stick around. Why they ever let two Englishmen have a whiskey podcast, I'll never know. This week's thing is Dean DeChoso, a very old friend of both of us. A very old friend, and uh, he's been mentioned... He got mentioned in the Danny Graff interview. He got Obviously, he got mentioned when we had uh, Jess Muse on. Um, so it seems like we need to have him on because he's so close to us and we've mentioned him a few times. And we're going, uh, he's going to come going, up again. Who's this again. guy? Who's this Dean guy? Who you're is talking he? About? So Who is he? We, we'd like you, our friends, a listener, to get to know our friend Dean. Uh, he's a he's a music producer extraordinaire, yeah. to use one of our favourite words, uh, based out in uh, Los Angeles, California, of all places. Mm. Uh, and Nick, how how did you meet him? I met him in 2008. Um, I was wow. in a band called Tat, for people who haven't listened to this show before. Um, and we needed a producer to help us finish a few tracks off on our Soho Lights album back then. So um, we met him in a club called Spaceland um, in Silver Lake. We played after the headliner. Can you imagine that? Gig, oh my Dave? God. After. Well, three people left. Well, yeah, Dean and his assistant and the bar staff, <laughs> I think it was, and our manager. Um, so we only had the gig so Dean could come and watch us to see if he wanted to work with us really. And, um, wow. where's that venue? Is. In- Silver Lake, California. Silver Lake. Yeah. Also Los Hit Angeles. Hit Town. Right. Hit Part of Town. Didn't you make that album in Atlanta or is that the first part you met? Yeah, we made most of the album in Atlanta. Yeah. Atlanta. Georgia and then you with- finished it in LA with Dean. Yes. Right. Okay. So fast forward to 2017, I'm fundraising for my album that I made in Nashville and Dean sees that I'm going to be over in the States and sends me a message and says, even though Nashville's nowhere near Los Angeles, he says, when you're over, if you're over for a longer period of time, I'd love to meet up with you. I thought he was offering to make my album. <laughs> Genuinely. Message Nick. Message our other friend Chris saying, do you think Dean is a good good fit to produce my album? Nick was like, oh, if he's offering, you've got to do it. So mm. I phone him up and say, Dean, I'd love for you to produce the album. He's like, wait, what? When? What? I just want to meet you for lunch. Uh, anyway, he ends up uh, producing my album and we became very good friends as well. And uh, then c- he came over to do the album tour. So we was the three of us got together again. It was wonderful. Yeah. He keeps getting mentioned. He keeps getting mentioned. So we might as well have him on. So without any further ado, 
please give it up for Mr. Dean DiCioso. Welcome, Dean DiCioso. Hello, mate. Thank you for having me. We, we got a couple of things that we wanted to talk to you about. Um, obviously, you've come sure. up in conversation quite a lot because uh, you produced my album. You produced yes, Nick's sir. album. You and Nick go way back. Uh, and we had Jess Muse on and uh, you've produced some things for her. Mm-hmm. We have some things coming up, yeah. Recently, we've seen that you've been working with a band called Candlebox. Uh, and we wanted to start ask how that came about and how exciting that is for you as a uh, as a person because Candlebox aren't that big over here. I learned I learned that over time. I mean, I'm friends with all you guys, and yeah. Mm-hmm. But but it's it's quite a big deal in the US that you're doing this, right? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I mean, it's at least a big deal to me. They get thrown in, you know, to the whole like grunge proto grunge thing, you know, like when you had uh, Nirvana, Pearl Jam. Mud Honey and Soundgarden, you know, Sun Pilot, Soundgarden, all that was going on. You 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 had Candlebox, and the way I discovered them, I must have been about maybe eleven or twelve years old. It was early '90s, and I was watching Beavis and Butthead, the show I still love. I remember being at my parents' house, and I I was watching Beavis and Butthead make fun of Kevin Martin, literally, like watching him sing. And, and Beavis or Butthead would like make faces and try to sound like him and shit because they'll <laughs> troll videos. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Um, but anyway, the point being is that I watched this and I asked my, my, my dad um, to drive me to the local like record store. Uh, I was in seventh grade. I remember this really well. We get the CD and I remember bringing it like, a, like you know, because back then, man, we didn't have the internet or anything. I remember showing uh, my classmates, you know, this, this CD. And I was like, hey, you guys got to check this band out. And I remember I remember this uh, um, a friend of mine at the time in school. Um, his, his name is Chris Bolin. And he goes, man, you always find the weird, obscure bands that no one knows about, you know, and this and then Kennelbox blew up, you know. And so it's been an honor for me uh, to answer your question, Dave. I had produced uh, a record for an artist called To Whom It May and To Whom It May ended up touring with Candlebox and I guess Kevin Martin had heard my work on Tomb and May and that's what got him um, interested in my, in my work essentially. Is it weird to working with a band that you idolize as a child? I still idolize that band. I, I actually in, in, in ways I idolize them now more than ever because I got to hang out with them and not to mention you've got Dave Cruzen, you know, the original drummer from Pearl Jam. Dave, you know who that is. Yeah, of course I do. You know, we, we all, we, we've all played with the yeah, guy, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I was going to say like, you know, so there's, there's a lot of iconic situations going on there. Um, I guess so, you know, I, I, but it's interesting though. Like I, I've been through enough in my career where I feel a little bit full circle. Like what Kevin Martin wanted to do on this particular album is he, for the, I think for the first time in Kettlebox's career, he wanted to do something that was like really gung ho and, you know, sort of light the fuse, put the whole band in there and we're, and wherever the dynamite explodes, that's how the record goes. Like, like all live, all sweat, kind of just full bore. And so I feel like, um, yes, I was, it was, I was on, I felt honored to be able to do it. I also felt like because I do so many raw records and I like working analog all the time, I felt like I was the right person to ask because I still love doing that where that art is kind of getting lost now, especially in 2020 Mm. on. So that was a big one for me. I, 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 it was weird because I still looked, looked up to them. Um, but also I, I I felt right being there. You spoke about 
your dad taking you to the record shop. Right. Your parents are both in the medical field. That's right. And your brother's in the medical field. Yes. And there was a lot of classical music in your house. Mm -hmm. Is the fact that your family are doctors actually, does that have any impact on what you do as a musician? Because Nick and I think we know a few people who they've got family members who are in medicine and they've become musicians. So we've not come from that ourselves, but is there something in that, do you think? I mean, I don't know about a correlation of the two. You know, um, I literally don't know, but I will tell you that um, every every single musician in my family, you know, is, is they're 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 literally quite literally classically trained musicians. You know, mom, um, you know, uh, is is basically like a like a mezzo soprano operatic vocal. You know, uh, dad uh, excels in um, flamenco and and piano, flamenco classical guitar and piano. And you've got my two brothers, you know, um, who uh, it's there's three of us. I'm the youngest of three. And the oldest one, who's the chairman of medicine, uh, Nick would be really impressed with them. He's actually like one of the he's probably like the best like rock pop bass player I've ever worked with. Um, he is he is the top of the of the uh, classical piano um knowledge in the family. My brother, Dustin, who was actually well into the music industry before I was, you know, is like the guitar hero of the family and I'm the drummer. Uh, but I took everything from them. And as far as like how they influenced me, that's really simple, dude. I mean, like when I was growing up, there's one, one giant stereo system in the middle of the house. And so it's either my mom and dad were using it with a record player or the eight track machine or it was my brother's using it. And so literally if my mom or dad are using it, it's going to be things like Barry Manilow, uh, Engelbert Humperdinck. It's going to be Paul Anka. It's going to be Barbara Streisand in her prime, you know, Frank Sinatra. Then my brothers would take over when they got home from school. And all of a sudden you've got the police and Van Halen and Rush and shit. My old, my, my oldest brother, I had a problem with how rambunctious I was. And when my parents weren't looking, he'd always make me sit like uh, in silence on this one giant 1970s orange. Like, was it an ottoman? Was it a table? Was it a, a, a lunar rover? I have no idea. And I'd be, <laughs> and I'd be, I'd be sitting on this thing in silence, like in timeout because I'm rambunctious and have to have to sit through all this music. But what they didn't know is I'm just sitting there like enamored. And I, I think that's that was a big influence on me. I'd say that's that's why I'm multi-genre and I I, I work in all of it because I I essentially fell in love with it all like at the time. I'm thinking like yeah, with the medical background, that must have the the work ethic needed to progress in that area must have rubbed off on you in terms of your music career. A hundred percent. I mean, like you know, I, I I was not only the black sheep of the family, I was afforded the ability to be the black sheep of the family, right? Because they, you know, um, I'm a first generation American, you know, my parents immigrated in the sixties and, um, well, my brothers and I are, we're all first generation Americans. So they're coming, they're coming from a poverty state and taking advantage of the American dream. So obviously, yes, like we did see, you know, them coming in with a shitty car that broke down all the time in the eighties. I remember well before I was born, my middle brother, Dustin, Actually, like when my parents were barely able to buy, a, uh, afford the house they were in, he was playing with, mess. oh God, he's going to kill me. He's going to kill me if you watch this episode. He was playing with matches in the garage and burnt the whole house down. This is a true story. 
And uh, the, my parents barely had the money for that. And so they had to rebuild while they were taking advantage of the American dream. So I come around in the early 80s and, 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 I, and I'm spoiled because I literally, I come into a family where they, they're, they're working really hard to take full advantage of the American dream. So, you know, medicine or not, I mean, absolutely that work ethic. And, and okay, that's a good point, Nick. Like, I mean, uh, and you know this, we all know this. Um, I, I have that thing where I'll, I'll, work, I'll work 48 hours straight and people call me crazy, but my, my answer is always, well, if my father as, as a nephrologist is saving lives, you know, solving problems with kidneys, and his shifts are literally 48 hours and he's got Versace suspenders on with a Gucci suit and he comes home looking sprightly as ever after 40, 50 hours that I better not be complaining that I've just what played guitar all day for yeah. 10 hours on, on a tape machine. hundred percent. Very good. hundred percent. Yeah. So it's a good shout, Nick. I didn't, I never thought of it that both of you. I never thought of it that way. Actually, you know, got him. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Have you just killed Marty? You killed no, Marty. Got, no, this was a little, little, <laughs> little buzzing thing, just annoying the hell out of me. Okay. Wow. Wow. <laughs> okay. Whiskey, mate. I can't believe you killed the fly. This podcast is more than a fly. Okay. Well, it definitely is now. Yes. We're going to hear more from Dean <laughs> later on. Okay. It's a great second segment. So stick around for that. But for now, let's summon the whiskey god, shall we, David? Oh, summon him. Okay. Ready? Um, Ready? Um, 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 um. Whiskey God. Whiskey God. Hello, boyos. Where's the whiskey? The whiskey's right here, mate, and a nice Irish accent there. Yeah. Try, try and impress someone, eh? Anyway. That guest. Oh, yeah. I wasn't watching. I was trying to make a better mimosa. Oh, yeah. Combining an acrid Johnny Walker Red with some natural orange soda, something like that. But he sounds like a handsome devil with a divine bone structure. <laughs> I think we'd get along. I think we could be friends. Well, maybe we'll ask him later. I thought you had enough friends, mate. Like Frank Sinatra and whoever else is, you know, floating around up there. Mate, you can't have any friends if you're not on Facebook. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah, I bet you're not even on LinkedIn, are you? You just Jesus. have followers. Anyway. <laughs> well, um, if you can do it, not in an Irish accent, but could you give us your amazing tasting notes, please, on this Connemara peated Irish whiskey? Connemara Irish whiskey. Tasting notes. On the eyes. A light golden straw color. On the nose, you will notice a peaty smoke, even a bit of sweet apple pastry. Oak enters the nostrils, which isn't a surprise, of course. But oddly, there is a savory note as well. On the palate, this Irish offering is quite clean and even fresh in the mouthfeel. Honey and crisp fruits dance around with a peated barley smoke. An experience akin to enjoying a nice cigar with a Connecticut wrapper. A bevy of floral notes adds a nice femininity to the strength. Vanilla, oak, creamy nuts like almond finish in a light spice. Mmm. 
beyond the finish. The end of this experience lingers gloriously with spiciness surrounding the oak. There are even notes of vanilla and chocolate flowing. A lasting peatiness takes over as if this is the calling card one sip of Connemara chooses to leave you. Overall, for an Irish whiskey, it is unique to see such a healthy amount of peat treatment in the process. Personally, I am selective with Irish whiskies. However, there are few that can balance oakiness, creaminess, freshness, and peat notes in one go, whilst leaving me with a mouth-watered state, eager for more. Connemara Irish Whiskey. Tata. Tata indeed. Tata indeed, Mr. God. Thank you for those wonderful tasting notes. Sweet apple pastry. I tell you what, we're getting pretty good at this, you and I. Are we? Well, yeah, because we, we like to pretend that he's an expert, but he mentioned that on the nose, sweet apple pastry. We said that. Mm, we did. We said that on the palate, an experience akin to enjoying a nice cigar. We said that. You said that, yeah. I know what you mean, I though. think... Yeah. I, I th- no, oh, you know yeah. What? Yeah, you're right. You're right. God, Dave, we're getting really good at this. 15 weeks in, I think we're developing a palate, Nick. Are we whiskey angels now? Is that what it is? <laughs> <laughs> Not full gods. We're angels. <laughs> whiskey vicar. Whiskey, <laughs> whiskey disciples. Yeah. Whatever we are and whatever he is, we'll hear from him again next week. Thanks, God. I look forward to it. Thanks, God. So, thanks for sticking around. Here's part two of our little uh, chat with Mr. Dean DiCiuso. Beautiful. That whiskey guard has notions. Dave and I both had the privilege of working with you. One thing I loved mm-hmm. when we made, when we finished off the TAT record in Studio City at your mm. studio there, was just mm-hmm. how you treated your artists. First time we worked with you, we rocked up and you had the most amazing breakfast spread I'd ever seen in my life. Like Thank you for noticing that. Pastries. No, but the thing is, you just it just seemed, I walked into that place and I was like, wow, this guy is looking after us. I'm going to tear, I'm going to tear up. No, but it was great. And we felt like, we, it felt, we were like, right, we're here to do business. We're here to get something done. And it kind of really got us in the mood to work. You look after your right. artist. That's important, obviously, to you, making your artist okay, feel good. J- j- just like when I'm on the other side of the glass, I, f- I feel like, um, I, I, I feel like I want to be loved, you know, so that I can do my job, you know? Thanks for noticing. <laughs> I, I saw it from a different point of view because I, obviously we, we were friends and we were living together in Nashville. That's right. And we, we, had, we had like a week before we were in the studio. So I saw lounge around the house, Dean. And then day one going to the studio, he suits up. The uniform comes on. The makeup comes on. The hair that's gets right. done. And, yeah, and it's like right. he puts himself in the zone. Is that a thing for you? Is it a case of I have to turn it on as in when I'm, when I'm in work mode, I am in work mode. And I dress for that and, and like someone else going to a job. Because you don't see that. I don't see that very often from other musicians just for recording's sake. 
That's a cool thing. You brought that up, you know, actually uh, alluding back um, to my parents being in that very professional and that we can literally now say essential field of medicine. And I made a joke earlier about <clears throat> my father and in, in his full regalia, you know, um, my father is a bit of a strange fashion buff, you know, and um, I mean, whether he was or not, I mean, he could be like the cheapest suits, but there's two answers to that. I w I've been inspired by the fact that he did that for work. Um, and I'm talking like his suspenders, man. The things that clamped on the pants were like in special kind of gold and shit. Like, I mean, you know, <laughs> his his initials were embroidered to every cuff. Wow. And then also um, coming up through uh, the, the recording studio business, working with a lot of jazz musicians, especially older ones. And if you look at the culture of that, they would always put three piece suits on. Of course, they weren't feeling the heat because of all the Viking and whiskey, but they, <laughs> but, but, but still they would dress up for work, you know? And, um, and I think there is something important to that. It is true. There's pictures online of, of, of me like putting astringent in my face with a hair thing, holding my hair back on doing emails, you know, in Nashville at the Airbnb. And then still like every time we're in the studio, you know, I try I try to do my best smoky eye and I, and I do like, <laughs> I do like to wear my strange sort of like, I don't know. It's like if the fifth, if, if the movie fifth element was in hell, that's how I feel like I want to look like. And uh, no, I mean, I think that's important. I think like feeling like, Dressing up to go to work is important. I'm not saying I want the musicians to do that. That's up to them, you know, but for me, it's a respect thing too, you know, like showing up there and, uh, you know, you get that guy. Um, do you have a bucket list of artists you'd love to work with? Well, I mean, this is a hard one. There's definitely one right off the bat that comes up, which is a hard one for me because there's a, there's a producer who I don't think is that much older than me. Um, called Nick, Nick Raskulinitz. And he did um, a lot of great rock records. He did some Deftones albums that I like. I think maybe one or two of them. And he had the, um, the, the beautiful chance uh, to do an album for a band. I know he loved and, and, and I would, I would have loved to have been in his position, even though I'm happy he got the job, which is rush. Ah. And, and yeah. you know um, Neil 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 Pert now being gone, bless him. Um, uh, also, me being a drummer, uh, one of my one of, like literally one of my top three influences as a drummer. That's I, I know he's dead, so that band isn't around now. But that's definitely a band I would have loved to have done something for. And um, I can't really think of much. I would love to do a Tool record. I don't know. Obviously, you've worked at some pretty famous studios as well. You've done a, done a lot of the big big ones within. LA and New York. Uh, mm -hmm. Is there anything left on your bucket list studio wise that you'd like to, uh, like to tick off anywhere in the world? Yes, David. <laughs> Abbey road. Ah, oh, it's funny. You should say that. <laughs> oh, that's, that's convenient. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's convenient. I, I, it's have you found a producer yet? Have you found no, one yet? I, Maybe we should have a chat, Dean. Maybe so. Do you know any producers, Dean? Do you know any producers who might want to know? I might know. <laughs> I mean, Abbey Road, I think, the cool thing about that particular thing is that I think it's the mecca for all of us. And when I say that, I don't mean people working in audio, working in production. I think I'm talking about for everyone. I think that's the, the mecca. It's like, you know, it's kind of like one of those things, if you can afford to be there, like, do we get some of the mojo that they left behind? Maybe. Even when, when, when you were over, when we did the album launch tour for Tennessee and 48th, 
and the three of us went down there afterwards. Just, just it special. Stood outside and went to the went to the gift shop. You know, we didn't didn't even go in, yeah. but you just get a vibe just from being outside, and you get excited being in the gift shop. Like it's. It, there's something about the place, isn't there? It's that it's that wooden door and that aerial font, right? Yeah, yeah. You, you feel like how how was I able to get this close to Olympus before Zeus kills me? You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Man, like watching where all those people wanted to cross that street. I mean, I was making oh, fun. We well, to, let's be fair. We were, I was making fun of them and stuff. But like, you want to do it? But, <laughs> you wanted to do it. Didn't I wanted, you? But 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 like, I get it. You know, like that's that's the point. It's 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 kind of like you know, k- kissing the toe of a Jesus statue somewhere. And it's like one of those things, man. Like it's special. Yeah. But like, as far as recording studios go, um, bucket list stuff definitely Abbey Road is is number one. Nice. Well, I, I can't think of anything else beyond that. Yeah, you too, man. Obviously, uh, Dean, this is a whiskey show. Uh, yes, sir. Well, I've noticed you're, you're you, and you've you've mentioned already a few times you're a, you're a whiskey man. But what are you drinking there? I'm drinking Maker's Mark Forty Six today. Uh, any any particular reason? Um, you know, I've been inside the bourbons um, for years now. I started off as a Scotch man. My first drink I ever had in my life actually was Johnny Walker Black. So. We're talking about a 12-year-old blended scotch, okay? So, it actually, it's quite nice. It's a very raisiny, smoky, you know, sort of scotch. It's very interesting. And I ended up, you know, learning about all the different uh, regions. And eventually, you know, I landed right inside that 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 Isla. Maybe I'll touch some Speysides, you know, um, because I like the saltiness of it and stuff. But what ended up happening was I was playing with making sauces, Italian sauces, like for pastas and stuff. And and I like to drink uh, while uh, while I'm um, uh, cooking, uh, uh, just like I do uh, as I'm brushing my teeth and pretty much everything else in my life, drinking whiskey. <laughs> so as I'm enjoying this, and I'm noticing I'm trying to make a very creamy pesto. I'm trying to I'm trying to perfect a pesto recipe that's very creamy. And I remember drinking this particular scotch. Um, or, or any any Glen, a uh, Glen Fittich, you know, uh, any Glen, uh, you know, any of the Highlands, and I noticed that the more dairy I put into my sauces, that these particular scotches would not cut through, and so finally one day, you know, um, I switched and and I tried a Jim Beam Black, and there's a bite, there's a nice caramelized uh, tannic bite to bourbon, uh, it keeps some uh, some more of its sort of alcohol quality. And I noticed that when I was switched over to that, when I'm playing with my dairy sauces, it would just cut through all that fat, which was great because I uh, eat a lot of ribeye steak, which is probably why I'm very rotund and corpulent. And, um, you know, I, I look like uh, the, the the Pokemon Snor- Snorlax, but I'm always awake and I'm an asshole. <laughs> um, but the point being, I noticed that bourbons were a great uh, uh, companion or pairing to fatty meats. And then what happened was after this journey, I went back to my Johnny Walker Black one day because I noticed that I liked it with a, with a particular cigars that I like to smoke, you know. And I remember for the first time uh, drinking it going, wow, this tastes like fruit punch. I'll never do this again. So I now I I like I like to live in the bourbon realm, you know, get that charred oak and and sure. uh, that spiciness and stuff. So, but For sure, I do like a good I do like a very peaty scotch. Yeah, yeah. 
So uh, you're quite passionate about this. Um, have you have you ever thought about a little bit? You know, doing your own tasting notes. Uh no. I mean, I like I like my whiskey. I I, I think I do a much better job than the guy that you. Oh, who the fuck that is doing it now? Silence, pretty boy. I wouldn't tell you how to add four hundred hertz tubes to make a snare drum sound fatter. Yep. Um. I don't know what a hertzitude is, but uh, I don't think any of that would make a snare drum sound big at all. So, how about you learn to make your tasting notes better? Well, well, right, they suck. Uh, uh, I was born in a golden vat of beauty. You're stupid. Uh huh. Whatever that means, dude. Have wow, fun. Fine, talk, Dean. I'm so sorry. For me. I'm so sorry. We don't normally have people stand up to him either. Wow. Maybe. He never ever turns up in, a, in an interview. I'm so sorry, man. That's really embarrassing. He, he must God. have been threatened by your knowledge. But thank you for coming on the show. I hope it doesn't put you off coming coming back again. Well, you know, it's nice to hang out with my friends. Thanks. Of course. Yeah. Well, that, we'd love to have you back on. I'm sure there'll be plenty of times when we'll need to do that. We never do this. We never do this. We never do this. Cheers. The whiskey. Oh, Dave. That, Mate, was, that was embarrassing. That was so embarrassing. He's never done that before. He's Why not. is he doing that? Mate. The interviews are our bit. There are a bit. I didn't even know. Why was he even listening? What was he doing? He wasn't watching the what first one. What was he one. doing? Then, uh, no. How do you send the whiskey god to his room? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Mate, whiskey I'm, god. I'm, Bed. I'm so angry about this. I don't get like this very often, but I am. I'm Glenn Livid. Glenn. <laughs> it's rare I get like this. I'm Glenn Livid, mate. Very good. Anyway, I'm sure we will hear from Dean DeChoso again at some point. Amongst many of our other guests, he's now yeah. part of the family, the whiskey yeah. and things family. It, we'll have him on again as long as he doesn't swear too much. Yeah. And saying that, actually, um, you can hear the full uncut version of the interview over on our Patreon page. Just make sure the kids have gone to bed before you play it. <laughs> um, if you want to track Dean down, he's uh, at Dean DeChoso on Twitter Instagram and just search Dean DeChoso on Facebook as well. It's a pretty unique name, as is he. You're listening to Whiskey and Things with Nick Kent and Dave Giles and that bloody whiskey god. It looks like we've got to the end of another episode. Fifteen. We got. I got a few other other little things that people have got in contact with. At the start of last week, I did ask people to send in their tasting notes, not only of the whiskey, but of us. Oh, this would be good. Amar on Patreon has got, has got in contact. We heard from him earlier. In regards to your tasting notes, he says, tasting notes for Nick. Strong, musky oak. Musky? With hints right. of cinnamon. Mm. Interesting. Uh, tasting notes for Dave. I'll take it. I'll take it. Fresh mown grass muddled with vanilla and caramel. I think I got away. I, I think I got off much better than you there. Yeah. Don't know how. I don't smell like an old man. That's what I got from that. Fresh mown grass is one of my favourite smells. Like old spice or something. And he's also got some notes for the whiskey god. Tasty notes for the whiskey god. Unfathomable. <laughs> I can't say that word. Unfathomable. Unfathomable. It's a good word. An unfathomable and unknowable horror. Well, Uvavu. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I struggle with those words, which is odd because my mum has commented on one of the videos that we put on Facebook this week or last week. Oh, yeah. Uh, when she, Hello, Carol. When we were talking about different Glens, she's come up with one. Glen Giles. Oh. The Valley of Forgotten Words. <laughs> <laughs> the Valley of Forgotten yeah. Shoes. 
I'm getting hazed by my own mum. Mate, you don't want that. That's the one thing. You should be able to rely on your mum. I know, but even worse. You're getting hazed by your mum. Even worse. She followed it up with this comment. Nick, you are so knowledgeable. Thanks, Carol. I mean, she's right. <laughs> she is right. When we're having your mum on. Surely I, When's she coming well, on? We can try and sort that out at some point, I'm sure. Anyway, what we got coming up next week, Nick? <laughs> now let's talk about your mum some more. <laughs> oh, it's like being at school all over again. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> next week, we'll be sampling the few bourbon. Or is as it I like few to say, or F-E-W? F-E-W. Because yes. they are initials. They are initials again. <laughs> but this time, the American accent actually works because it's a bourbon. F-E-W. Bourbon. I know um, nothing about this, so, so uh, it's. Uh, I might have a look on the old Google machine and, and see what comes out. Type into that Google machine, you know. We have a load of cool stuff coming up over the next few weeks. We've got some really cool guests that, that yeah, will do. be appearing at various points. We're also going to do a live show with our Patreons. Uh, so it's a great time to become a Patreon, to be honest. Yeah. Because then, then you can get involved with that. You know, so head on over to patreon.com forward slash Whiskey and Things, whiskey without any. Get yourself one of our Whiskey and Things limited edition T-shirts and be part of our live show, which is coming up imminently. Imminently. We're still imminently. working out the uh, the logistics on that one. Logisticals. But uh, it's going to be good. It's going to be really, yep. really fun. Really, really fun. I need fun. to tickle Nick's logisticals. Oh, it's been so long, <laughs> Dave. <laughs> it's too hot in here already. Until next week, uh, I've been Dave. That strong, mussy oak with hints of cinnamon has been Nick. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for Thanks coming. Thanks for coming. <laughs> Whiskey and Things has been brought to you by And Things Productions.